Section 23 of Vagabond Adventures. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vagabond Adventures by Ralph Keeler. Book 3. The Tour of Europe for $181 in Currency. Chapter 3. Student Life and Wanderings. But I must get back to Heidelberg, where the sympathetic reader will not, I trust, have imagined that I went all this time without dinners because the search for one which should be the ultima thule of cheapness was embarrassing and adventurous i found a place at last where a homely abundant midday meal was furnished me in a private family for one golden and twenty-six kreutzers per week a fraction over eight cents a day my supper i took at a gasthaus in company with some theological students at the cost of about four cents Many of my countrymen who have spent large sums in endeavoring to live cheaply in the same city will of course believe nothing of this. They have paid dearly for the privilege of being Americans. They date their experiences from hotels supplied with waiters who speak our language, and have dealt at shops on whose windows they have seen blazoned in golden letters, English spoken. They have, in reality, paid the teacher who taught these waiters and those shopkeepers to murder our own vernacular by matriculating at the great university of heidelberg i became endowed with all the time-honored privileges of students i could not be arrested or taken through the streets if i had been guilty of an ordinary crime i could not be confined in a common prison or go to a common hospital the university having those institutions for its own particular benefit and poverty seemed there to have lost its curse the very fact of my being a student put me on a social scale above that of the wealthy merchant this however may have been only in the estimation of the collegians themselves a fellow student thought some of going to america and propounded the following question but when i arrive i shall not have any money and i shall know nothing of the language of the country what shall i do go to work said i what manual labor i am too aristocratic that young man let me add was then living on an income of one hundred and ten dollars a year the german student must have a pipe a beer and a life of pleasure at whatever sacrifice if he is rich he pays some attention to his personal appearance you will see him adorned with boots of immense length corps caps and ribbons the number of his duels scored on his red face in ungainly sword-scars and followed by a retinue of sinecurists in the shape of great ugly worthless dogs his life is a continued sacrifice to the merry gods he is rarely seen at lectures. Indeed, there is one society or club at the university, the first article of whose constitution reads, No member shall at any time, or on any pretense whatever, after matriculation, be seen in the university building. On the other hand, if the student is poor, he pays very slight attention to what he wears. He does not the less, however, devote a great portion of his time to beer tobacco and the pursuit of pleasure you will see him at the most frequented beer-houses every night if you go to the opera 
you will observe him also stalking thither shiveringly through the wind his tight pantaloons striking his crane-like legs about midships between his feet and knees and his shoulders shrugged up in the vain attempt to get more warmth out of an extremely short coat he looks more like the impersonation of famine striding about men than the good honest-hearted fellow that he is for with all his faults as our more puritanical education may lead us to call them the german student is an honest generous noble-hearted fellow he sees beyond the smoke of his own pipe and has deeper thoughts than those inspired by beer his heart swells beyond the bounds of his petty state his sympathies are as broad as the old german empire it is too true perhaps that when in mature manhood he becomes angestelte in some life office in the gift of his little prince his liberalism slumbers or dies out but that does not affect the sincerity of his youthful sentiment i am sure that i never spoke with one of them on the subject who had not some dream of a great united germany there was no more interested watcher of our late civil strife than the german student he felt that the battle then waging for the right of self-government had a connection with his hopes for the future of his own severed land germany's wrongs and the sigh for universal liberty are the burden of his many songs no higher and no more appropriate eulogy on the german student can be pronounced than to say that in his university days at least he is true to the spirit of one of his most beautiful and most popular melodies to the bold deed the free word the generous action woman's love and the fatherland by the laws of german universities a matriculated student is not obliged to pay for more than the lectures of one professor during a semester that is six months i managed therefore to pay for the cheapest and attended as many more as i liked so about ten dollars a year were my collegiate expenses to confess the truth my calendar and that of the university did not always agree I often took vacations in session time in the shape of long excursions on foot and sometimes disappeared from heidelberg for weeks together my housefrau she that received the princely income of eighty cents a month for my room at first showed symptoms of anxiety about me but she soon learned to be surprised at no wild freak of her aerial lodger by these tours on foot the only philosophical way of traveling and by the occasional aid of the cheap third-class cars of that country i visited all parts of germany and learned more of the language character and habits of its odd warm-souled people than i ever could have learned at the great hotels and in the first-class railway carriages during the long vacations and especially after leaving heidelberg altogether i extended my explorations into remoter parts into the tyrol switzerland italy and france i traveled in a way in which probably no american has ever traveled before or since namely disguised as a handwerksborsche a wandering tradesman any one who has been in europe will not ask why a stranger in that land should need to pass himself off as a poor native if he wants to save money on the continent as a general rule 
a man in broadcloth not personally known to the shop or hotel-keeper pays two prices whereas a person speaking english even if clad in fuchsian pays three prices and i should like to see him help himself the english language has come to be mistaken for a gold mine all through europe these wandering tradesmen these handwerksburschen let me say for they are unknown to nations under free constitutional governments are a sort of fossil remains of feudalism they are young fellows half journeymen half apprentices who are obliged to wander for two or three years from city to city working at their trades they finally return to their homes weary and poor having learned little but the rough side of the world to make what is called their masterpiece if this pass muster they are entitled to style themselves masters of their trades they grow out of that old illiberal principle which compels the son to follow in the footsteps of his father and his grandfather yet for all the narrow-minded enactments and regulations to crush their spirit and make them miserable they always walk on the sunny side of nature they are a jovial set of vagabonds who have rarely the chance to be dishonest if they had the inclination disguised in the blouse of their class something like our western warmus except that it is of thin blue stuff i have spent many a happy hour toiling along the same road with them listening to their stories and merry songs if i meet one of them on the highway he stops offers me his hand and exchanges a kindly word he takes out his pipe asks me to fill mine from his tobacco pouch and tells me all he knows of the road passed over he never lodges in a city unless he has work there the village inn is his castle here he obtains his bed at night and his breakfast in the morning for seven kreutzers not quite five cents and trudges on smoking and singing through all europe this is the handwerksbursche poor but merry the knight-errant of the bundle and staff the troubadour and minnesinger of the nineteenth century in switzerland for instance where almost every one travels as a pedestrian and where hundreds of our countrymen every year blister their inexperienced feet at the rates of from ten to thirty francs a day i have journeyed sumptuously thanks to my disguise for thirty sous when addressed in french if my broken speech was noticed it was supposed that i was from one of the german cantons and in the same manner if my bad german was detected i was set down as from one of the french cantons this gratuitous naturalization on one day and expatriation on the next had no bad effect whatever on my health whereas it had the best possible result on my purse my blouse was a protection not only to the respectable suit of clothes which i wore under it but against all the impositions practiced upon travelers when i arrived at a large city or watering-place i generally hired a little room for a week found a cheap place to get my meals and after settling prices for everything in advance divested myself of my disguise and did the galleries and promenades to the accompaniment of kid gloves and immaculate linen but the glory of pedestrianism is not in cities it is in the broad highway on the banks of mighty rivers or in the narrow footpath winding over mountains 
There is such pleasure and pride in the consciousness that one can go where and when one will, without waiting on coaches or trains. Thirty, forty, or fifty good miles left behind in one day, by the means of locomotion nature has given to every one, are not only a consolation to sleep upon at a village inn, but make the sleep sounder and sweeter. I defy any man not to be proud of his strength when he finds, as almost every one will after a little practice, that he can make thirty miles on foot day after day with perfect ease. It is, however, just to state that village inns are not always paradises. The hostess sometimes has more lodgers in her beds than she receives money for, but a practiced eye generally detects such places at a glance and rarely exposes the body to their perils. Every village has at least one respectable inn. Before my personal history had taught me this wisdom by excruciating example, I had good reason to believe that the tortures of the Wimgericht, the old secret tribunal of Germany, were not the things of the past which the world thought them. I had frequent occasion, too, for what might be called an equanimity of stomach. I arrived one evening, for instance, at a small desolate village in the remote eastern part of Bavaria, near the Austrian border. I was weary and hungry, but before mine host of the inn would have anything to do with me, he sent me on a wild chase through innumerable narrow, crooked alleys in search of the burgomaster to deliver my passport into his hands and obtain his gracious permission to remain overnight in the place. The entrance to the mansion of that dignitary was through a cattle-yard. He had probably never before in his life heard of the language of my passport, but that did not prevent his looking at it with an official air of infinite wisdom. I returned to the inn at last, fortified with the requisite credentials. The hostess now appeared and asked me what I would eat, addressing me familiarly in the second-person singular. Her long, lank frame was attired in the abominable costume of the Bavarian peasantry. I could compare her to nothing but a giant specimen of the Hungarian heron, which I need hardly say is not a pretty bird. The same room served as parlor and kitchen. I sat patiently and watched her kindling the fire in the great earthen stove, indulging my mind, as hungry people are wont to do, with rich visions of imaginary banquets. What was my horror to see her take the eggs, which I had ordered, break them one by one into her greasy leathern apron, and commence beating them vigorously with a pewter spoon. As soon as I recovered my presence of mind I considered the folly of remonstrating with her, and, with a great effort, I mildly remarked that she had misunderstood me. I wanted my eggs boiled. By this stratagem I preserved my disguise and achieved a cleanly meal in defiance of the leathern apron. End of chapter 3 Student Life and Wanderings